for security? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the party. Today is Friday. Thank goodness. Am I right? February 2nd, 2024. Welcome to episode number 549 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Free Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Marcus Kyler, and the Yeet Crew, Nelson Yee, James Edicudo, Casually Joseph, and Rebecca from the car, David Alpha Sierra, Centralist Kayla Sturgeon with the blue badge, and Folks over on LinkedIn, like Sakanat Aziz and uh, Logan Fuller, so many of you amazing people. We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And my man, James McQuiggan, at 35,000 feet, will be dropping chuckles on us at the mid-roll. It's going to be a good one, guys. We're going to be straight up crushing it. So if you are a cyber practitioner, we're going to be helping you drive cyber risk reduction. Believe that. Whether it's Avanti VPN melting down or it is uh, congressional testimonies from uh, CISA director and FBI director, it's all relevant. It's all germane. It can help us drive cyber risk reduction for our business stakeholders. Also, if you are looking to break into the industry, well, guess what? You're going to be asked in every single job interview, how do you stay current on the industry? This right here, Daily Cyber Threat Brief, is the Konami cheat code. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, select, start, or daily cyber threat brief. Both, you know, they're synonymous. They're interchangeable. You feel me? So say what's up in chat and get the networking going. It's going to be awesome. Now, before I get into the news, I do want to say shout out and love to the stream sponsors, starting with my good friend, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Holler at you, Barricade Cyber. Eric Taylor, Casually Joseph. So many wonderful uh, practitioners over there at Barricade dropping uh, just dropping real value for businesses. Listen, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recovering from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But guess what, guys? Barricade Cyber Solution, they're the GI Joe with the Kung Fu grip. They know how to come in and mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Also want to say much love and shout out to Panopsi Security, y'all. Get a partner who understands your cyber program and your business goals more importantly, right? The business needs to understand and work in wonderful harmony with the information security office and vice versa. So how do you do that? Well, consider getting on the horn with Panopsi. Brandon Poole and his team, they have tons of information security experience. They are excellent at what they do. Give a shout out to Brandon Poole on LinkedIn, P-O-O-L-E. And if you need help, whether it's tactically like a tabletop exercise, enterprise risk assessment, or it's more long-term strategic, like 
do we bring SecOps in-house or do we go with an MDR? Perfect question. Huge mistake um, if you make the wrong decision there, like 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 $100,000 in three years kind of mistake if you choose incorrectly. So panopsi.com, check them out. I want everyone to know, we'll talk about anti-siphon at the mid-roll. I do love myself some anti-siphon. Hope everybody's been enjoying their active defense cyber deception course. You'll notice that I am wearing a new Black Hills Information Security merch shirt. Got the hacker hacker shirt going, love it. Thanks so much, Black Hills and Deb Wigley, uh, for the continued support. I think I think it's cold in here. Jeez, like a little sorry uh, Kennedy action going on in here. <laughs> diamond hands. I got diamond nips going on. Jesus. All right. Hey, I want you all to know that uh, I don't prep or research for any of this uh, podcast in advance. So you're getting me like raw, coming straight, coming straight out the um, cannon, getting shot out like a uh, like a wrecking ball, I suppose. So uh, just know that that's you're getting my raw take. So it's as if we were in the meeting together and I was just like, I got to tell you about this. Whoo. All right, guys, I want you to know that every episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief, including this one, is worth one half of a CPE. Yeah, I know you can't. Hey, can't unsee it now. I can't unsee it. I might have to throw a hoodie on. This is ridiculous. Or hold on. <laughs> like, uh. all right, let's roll, people. <laughs> hey, every episode's worth a half a CPE. So say what's up in chat. Um, take a screenshot and file it away for your CPEs. If you don't know what to say, or you're just looking to pile on with the chat, my advice to you, please drop a hashtag team SC. We are one simply cyber community y'all hashtag team SC in chat. Let us know what's up. Tom Pike in the house. Way to go. Tom Pike. Good to see you. My friend, Tom Pike, great success story of someone who put in the work and then blasted into the industry over at Expel Straight, crushing it, homie. All right, hey, if it's your first time on the channel, this is your first episode, whether you stumbled in here, YouTube pushed it to you, or a friend recommended it, you are absolutely more than welcome to be here. We love having you. Welcome to the party, pal. If it is your first episode, drop a hashtag first timer in chat. Hashtag first timer in chat. Welcome to the party. We've got an emote and we've got a sound effect for you first timers. We absolutely love welcoming our friends, our new friends, our old friends, our longtime friends. Get in here, say hi, and let's boogie, people. It is Friday, so um, it is uh, Grayson's Joke of the Week presented by uh, James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet. So we'll be getting into that at the mid-roll. we got a lot of great content for you on the show. Super pumped. It is Friday. Unfortunately, I hate. I just want to emotionally prepare everybody. We cannot do jaw jacking today. I have to go to the bank and dispute a fraud charge. Arr, the frustration. So um, that'll be happening. But that's what's up. Uh, Sawtooth Red in, here for the first time. Good to see you, Sawtooth Red. Very much awesome. All right, guys, do me a favor. Do me a favor. Get your coffee, sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over all of us in an awesome wave. I will see each of you at the mid-roll, my friends. Up at compliance, but that doesn't mean... Oh, hold on. I, for <laughs> I forgot to... Uh... <laughs> Whoops. Hold on. This is what happens when... Uh...
This is what happens when, um, I don't know. This is pretty standard. Pretty standard. Sawtooth Red's like, uh, you had me. You had me, Jerry. And then and then you just kind of dorked it all up. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Friday, February 2nd, 2024. I'm Steve Prentice. FBI director warns of Chinese hacker threat to U.S. critical infrastructure. Appearing before the House Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party on Wednesday, FBI Director Christopher Wray elicited stark warnings about the increasing threat of Chinese cyber attacks against U.S. electrical grids and other infrastructure, stating that there has been, quote, far too little public focus, end quote, on the issue. Mentioning Vault Typhoon as an example, Ray stated, quote, that it enabled China to hide, among other things, pre-operational reconnaissance and network exploitation against critical infrastructure like our communications, energy, transportation, and water sectors, end quote. CISA. All right. Um, okay, so first of all, this was huge. Uh, if you did watch this, again, I haven't had an opportunity to watch this, but I do want to watch it. Um, I know the mod team watched it. Uh, first of all, Jen Easterly. Yes, Jen. Is she not, guys, is she not a national treasure? Not only is she like dropping knowledge bombs and making CISA awesome and making the public-private sector collaboration phenomenal, but, you know, if she needs to, when she needs to, she can just jump down into uh, congressional hearings and drop real knowledge on people. Uh, the FBI director was there as well. Uh, FBI just took down Volt Typhoon last weekend or last week, which is a massive um, Chinese uh, operation that was targeting uh, ener the energy sector mostly, uh, which is why they called them Volt uh, Typhoon. But dude, here's the deal. Like, <laughs> I, it, here's the thing. Like, China is a first world power, a cyber power. Again, I told like I told people this yesterday. I would really encourage if this doesn't concern you, then you're not paying attention properly. I will say that um, if you're looking to learn more about um, this particular issue and like the rise of China as a uh, national cyber power and what they're doing uh, as a basically a national strategy for uh, asymmetric warfare and bettering their population, check out this book right here. I'm in the middle of reading it. I haven't completed it. But Battlefield Cyber, How China and Russia Are Undermining um, Our Democracy, U.S. Democracy, and National Security. It's, a, it's really uh, a phenomenal uh, read. Uh, very, very interesting. Um, just to give you like one little excerpt that kind of weighs into this, <clears throat> you've got to remember that China has a, na like in the, China has a national doctrine that um, if you hack other countries or other companies outside of China, for the benefit of getting, like for espionage purposes, right? Like you're stealing um, pharmaceutical recipes in order to have um, better drugs and medicine for your population. You're stealing weapons technology to make your, you know, your war fighter or your military capability stronger. Those things are like not just uh, uh, tolerated, but they're almost promoted and encouraged because you are, you're basically doing it to the betterment of the Chinese you know, country, the Chinese uh, CCCP, the, um, you know, right. So in the United States, we don't enable like the NSA or our cyber operators to hack into other countries and bring it back so we can have like better businesses and better 
um, you know, situations here in the United States. So that's like one kind of key difference. Also, 2012, Xi Jinping, who's the uh, rule, you know, the supreme ruler or whatever you want to call it over there, um, made a decision to downsize the soldier, like kinetic soldier workforce in 2012 and ramp up the amount of cyber practitioner, cyber expertise um, uh, for that same workforce, right? So you have like a standing army of like 100,000 soldiers standing there with guns and stuff. And he's like, all right, 75,000 of you, put your, put your guns down, pick up a keyboard and let's get busy. And it takes time, but dude, they, they're executing like a 25 year strategic plan. So 12 years ago, they made that decision. And now you can see what's going on. Um, another like key thing about this story that, um, I don't want to say like it's too late because it's not too late, but I know uh, the mod team was telling me that, um, a lot of like home routers and small business routers, um, are being used as part of the, um, I guess, uh, infrastructure that, you know, these, these groups were, are attacking. Not a lot of people maintain their home routers or patch them. There's a lot of like no it support in people's homes, Comcast, Xfinity, AT&T, Verizon. They just send you the modem, you plug it in, you're on the internet and you're off and running, but there are potentials for those things to get accessed in addition. And this is part of the reason I suspect, okay, this is tinfoil hat. This is part of the reason I suspect that, um, there's been a push and a disconnect uh, of getting off of uh, a global, um, oh my God, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, the United States has been pushing to di di like disentangle itself from China manufacturing. And I think part of it is because there's you know, genuine concern that there is uh, backdoors, persistence, technology, all, all these things are being baked into uh, hardware uh, and getting deployed everywhere. So it's, it's kind of like a sleeper cell type thing. Uh, mods are coming in here really quickly. FBI Director Chris Ray said it 50 to one China cyber versus US cyber members, which completely aligns to what I'm talking about. Like China made a decision a decade ago that they are going to be a cyber superpower and then they executed on that strategy. Okay. It's one thing to say it, it's another thing to do it. The United States, which is un it's unfortunate, okay? Like I love cybersecurity. I love cybersecurity, obviously. But it's it's unfortunate that like um in the US, I get that like we want, you know, our, our children to like explore and kind of Montessori school um approach to like, you know, hey, what speaks to you? Go go do whatever. But like cyber is still not really baked in to K through 12. STEM, STEM gets a good role, right? Science, technology, engineering, and math, like that gets in there, but it needs to be like STEM C or just introduce cyber capabilities. And I'm not saying pull kids out like other countries do and put them in cyber programs, K through 12, but it, it it's not just like, may, maybe I'm too close to this, but, but it's, it's not enough. <laughs> Frankly, it's not enough to give K through 12, like you know, an intro to computers class that has one lecture on cyber. Like we need to integrate it now. Okay. And this has to come down from the U S government. I don't talk politics, uh, very often on the channel. I try to, I try to very compartmentalize that, but this right here is a, like a very stark, you know, ice bucket to the a challenge, uh, to the face of like, get up and pay attention. Um, you know what I mean? So, all right. All right.
let's keep going. Again, I strongly recommend uh, you watch this. Uh, please, I, I'm going to watch it this weekend as soon as I get time. Uh, but it's it's very interesting. And and one final thing, it's fine having these congressional testimonies if some action comes out of it. You know, nothing I hate more. Nothing I hate more than like pomp and circumstance and ceremony and posturing and like using these platforms as like self self agenda political things. Like you see some politicians using these uh you know major televised congressional things to like you know push their own agenda that has like nothing to do with like what is actually happening. So FBI director, CISA director, having these conversations, awesome. Awareness is the first step. But what are you going to do about it? Like, are we going to pass policy? Are we going to pass? Uh, are we going to empower? They were talking. I'm sorry. Now I'm getting angry. They were talking like three months ago, six months ago about cutting CIS's budget. Do you remember that conversation? Are you joking me? Like, my thing is like, it's fine if you do something with the information. If you're just having these hearings to have these hearings, then what are we doing here? Like, let me get back to work. ...of exploited Apple flaw. This is a high-severity flaw affecting iOS, iPadOS, MacOS, tvOS, and watchOS, and is tracked as CVE 2022-48618, with a CVSS score of 7.8. CISA added it to its known exploited vulnerabilities catalog based on evidence of active exploitation. Patches for this flaw were originally released in December 2022, hence the CVE number, but it was only publicly disclosed on January 9th of this year. Apple has stated, quote, an attacker with arbitrary read and write capability may be able to bypass pointer authentication, end quote. Pentagon intelligence. <clears throat> all right. So first of all, uh, hot off the heels of a, of a CISA rant, CISA. Again, in the news, ever vigilant, the, 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 CISA is like basically the Night's Watch, okay? If you're a Game of Thrones fan, they are ever vigilant. They, you know, they don't take it, they don't take anything laying down. They're constantly doing what they're supposed to do. I forget what the Night's Watch creed is in Game of Thrones, but basically CISA is on the wall, right? They're Jack Nicholson, uh, Jack Nicholson from, um, a few... A few good men? Is it a few good men? We need them on that wall. We want them on that wall, okay? CISA, doing what they do. I love it. Okay, so here's the deal. Active exploitation, that's a hot mess express, of an Apple and Mac OS device. Very, very simple. Very simple. Update your own stuff, and then tell your executives to update their crap. You might want to um, share with uh, friends and family uh, or um, send a message out to you know the workforce, even if you're like a Windows shop, because a lot of people have iPhones, and and just say, hey, listen, uh, quick reminder, and like basically, I would share screenshots, like click on the you know settings, software update, apply patch, takes five seconds, go do it. Active exploitation. You don't want to be the jack wagon who's um, getting compromised, right? You don't want to have to skip jawjacking because. You have to go dispute fraud um, on your bank account, right? So way to go, Sessa. This is a CVS score of 8.8. They did say you need arbitrary read-write access to the phone. So I don't know if this would require some type of initial uh, compromise, and this would be like a secondary, uh, a secondary compromise, right? Like basically 
you have like low level access and then you exploit it to uh, pr to escalate privileges or something like that. TLDR, in my opinion, a Apple products, I'm, I'm super pumped with Apple products. They make upgrading, excuse me, they make updating very, very easy. Uh, you have one consistent OS versus like Android OSs, which you can have like forks all over the place. So update your stuff, educate your end users. Don't forget about Apple TV because um, Apple TV runs a different flavor of the Apple OS. You got to make sure you get that. And then your watch OS. Um, again, I don't know, like, <laughs> I mean, you don't want anything to get compromised, but like what what's going on with the watch, right? Like, I, I guess if you really want to get like, super elite hacker you could get on the watch and then pivot over bluetooth to the phone maybe but i i don't know keep your stuff updated but really your ipad and your mac uh are the ones that you're definitely definitely um concerned about supplier allegedly hacked alf v also known as black cat said on tuesday that they had quote stolen and threatened to leak 300 gigabytes of data from technica a virginia-based it services company that describes itself as working with the federal government in performing background investigations as posted at cyberscoop quote by allegedly breaching technica alf v claimed to have obtained data related to the defense counterintelligence and security agency which carries out background investigations and insider threat analyses to back up its claim alf v posted more than two dozen screenshots of purportedly stolen documents featuring the names social security numbers clearance levels and roles and work locations of dozens of people end quote Wind All right. I mean, this sucks. Okay. Here we go again. Third party, uh, third party risk management is a thing. Um, I also want to point out that this Virginia IT service company that uh, contracts with the US military, <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's some super, super say on level pissed uh, Pentagon officials out there. And uh, whoever runs this Virginia IT services company is probably wearing their brown pants today. Uh, wondering about the um, the the, the long-term viability of their business uh, because I you know it's it's a really bad look um, data data leak if you've ever been interviewed for a security clearance or you've ever been interviewed as um, basically Intel for somebody else's security clearance this is the agency that does it it sounds like that agency uh, doesn't always have um, government, civilian, you know, employees working it, they outsource it to companies, which doesn't surprise me. The US government outsources all over the place. Now, remember, this Virginia IT services company could have been very, very secure. And, you know, just some jack wagon accidentally left the door unlocked or misconfigured a database to be public facing, whatever it is, you can never eliminate all risk. So before I crap on this company for bad security posture, um, to be fair and objective, I, I, you know, I don't know if they had crappy security or they had good security and they just had a very sophisticated threat actor, aka Alfie, get in and uh, screw them. Alfie is a, I call him tier one. Um, yes, I, I have tiers, T-I-E-R-S. I have tiers for my threat actor groups uh, outside of um, nation state sponsored ones. Obviously, those are uh, the top tier, but we don't even count those. But uh, yeah, Alfie, Black Cat, which is like, they're used kind of interchangeably. Lockbit, uh, you know, those are tier one. Ma you know, Medusa, 
Klopp, those are like uh, kind of tier two, tier three ish. You know, it's like Premier League. They're going to get relegated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can eliminate all risk by just going out of business, but that kind of defeats the purpose. Uh, long story short, even though Alfie is ransoming uh, this uh, data. Honestly, you would think that they would get more money on the dark web selling this data. It's literally a list of everybody in their security clearance active levels. If I was a nation state threat actor, that intel is gold, right? You're telling me I can find out who's got, you know, secret squirrel clearance or who's got Q clearance or who's got Yankee Bravo clearance, like who's 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 got access to the president or who's got access to nuclear secrets or whatever. Like that information is uh, valuable to those uh, groups. So I also want to point out really quickly, there was a story yesterday outlining the statistics that uh, ransomware payments have gone down. Um, again, here here's a perfect example. It doesn't say they encrypted the data. They just ex they just exfilled the data, right? So data exfil and then selling it back to the victim or selling it on the web. Uh, dark web, excuse me, is kind of the status quo now. Um, you are seeing less encryption of stuff and simply because there's uh, less of a return on investment for the threat actor. If they start encrypting things, they tip their hand to the victim that they're in there doing these things. And backups are much stronger nowadays and um, immutable backups and the ability to... Some EDR solutions are actually pretty good about um, uh, preventing... You know, like they detect that the encryption is happening and they prevent it. Um, Sentinel-1's got a really interesting solution. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to discuss it uh, publicly, but uh, check out Sentinel-1 and how they handle ransomware uh, infections. It's pretty cool. Event log zero-day flaw gets unofficial patches. In response to a zero-day vulnerability discovered by a security researcher known as Florian, these free unofficial patches are being made available. The flaw is named Event Log Crasher, and it lets attackers, quote, remotely crash the event log service on devices within the same Windows domain, end quote. According to Bleeping Computer, quote, this zero-day vulnerability affects all versions of Windows, from Windows 7 up to the latest Windows 11 and from Server 2008 R2 to Server 2022. Microsoft says the reason for the release of an unofficial patch is that it's a duplicate of a 2022 bug that didn't meet the requirements for servicing. All right, zero-day vuln that can crash servers. Uh, not a good look. Um, ooh. Yeah, here's a good one, Florian Roth. All right, we got a couple things here. Um, so first of all, you have to be on the same... Active Directory domain to exercise this. Okay, so you need you already need some level of compromise on the network. Okay, so that's first of all. Second of all, um, crashing a server is impactful. Servers are, you know, serving. They're 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 not like an endpoint where like Carl's like, oh, my computer needs to reboot. It's like file server, uh, domain services, potentially email if if you're somehow still on Exchange on prem for some odd reason. Um, these things are um, possible, right? So it's sim it's it's not simple, but I mean, there is a patch for this. So uh, bringing a server down for maintenance is not simple. Uh, it can be impactful to the organization. So what I would say is definitely put this into your um, put this into your maintenance window. Make your your uh, IT admins aware of this, right? If you crash a domain controller, 
Um, it could be bad, right, for everybody. So you got to patch it. Ah, you got to patch it. You got to patch it. All right. Also, because they mentioned in here, Florian. Is this Florian Roth? Hold on one second. I want to see. This is Florian Roth. Is this? Hold on. I don't know if this is Florian Roth, but I feel like it is. Okay. Um, here is Event Log Crasher. Here's a proof of concept that was released on GitHub if you want to basically um, either A, play with it, right? So if you're like trying to educate yourself, set up a little Active Directory domain and then use this to crash it as a proof of concept. If you've patched your network uh, or your network, if you've patched the endpoints that you suspect are vulnerable to this, you can use this proof of concept to validate that, yes, you did in fact fix the problem and that you are no longer vulnerable to this particular attack. Um, so those are good reasons to to do that. Um, also, is this Flor here? I'm not sure if this is Florian Roth, but um, yeah, seriously, NSA virus wrap. If you're running uh, Exchange Online, I mean, exchange on-prem, you, you, I don't know what you're doing. Also, really quickly, I did put into mid-journey. Um, this is pretty pretty baller. I put into mid-journey uh, event log crasher. And uh, I, I just I just want to share, if, if event log crasher, this vulnerability uh, was turned into a, what I assume would be a Magic the Gathering card, <laughs> okay? Um, this is what it would look like. This is mid-journey's take on it. This is pretty BA, honestly. Look at this guy. Boom, event log crasher. Let's get this vulnerability a logo. I love I love a good vulnerability logo, okay? Look at this, event log crasher. It's a it's a <laughs> it's a 4 5 red 6 mana. Tap it to whatever. Okay, let's go. Oop. Hold on. Ah! Hold on. I I I I went off script and all of a sudden Hot Mess and Express. And now a word from our sponsor, Venta. From dozens of spreadsheets and screenshots to fragmented tools and manual security reviews, managing the requirements for modern compliance and security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta is the leading trust management platform that helps you centralize your efforts to establish trust and enable growth across your organization. Over 6,000 companies partner with Vanta to automate compliance, strengthen security posture, streamline security reviews, and reduce third-party risk. To learn more, go to vanta.com slash CISO and watch their three-minute product demo. That's vanta, V-A-N-T-A dot com slash CISO. All right, now let's do it. Hey, hey, hey! All right, y'all. Hope everyone's having a great stream, a great show. I certainly am. Uh, definitely uh, a great start to the Friday. Guys, if you're getting value from the stream, first-timers, second-timers, long-timers, do me a solid. Hit the like button if you're watching on YouTube. Why? It goes a long way to helping other people discover the channel. People on YouTube who are watching cyber content, try hack me, Advent of Cyber, maybe Tyler Ramsey's channel. YouTube's going to see that all of you are cyber people and you like this live stream and they'll go pu push it to other people um, who are on YouTube, right? So this is how we grow our community. This is how first timers show up every day. Welcome. So hit the like button if you got a chance, would you please? All right, guys. Want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, obviously Barricade, Panopsi, 
straight crushing it. But let me tell you for a minute about anti-siphon training. For those of you taking the active defense and cyber deception class right now, you know how awesome it is already. But for those who haven't, anti-siphon training is disrupting the traditional cybersecurity training industry by providing high quality, cutting edge education to everyone. That is inclusive, everyone, right? Whether it's John Dio Albert on LinkedIn, whether it's Rebecca in the car looking for a, to shift into the cybersecurity industry, or it's a mod, Kimberly can fix it. Everyone is invited to learn regardless of financial position. We, they offer their students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what is taught, and engage with their community in a fun and inclusive way. It's awesome. And right now, you still have time. You still have time. Next week, you can go do soft core skills with John Strand. John Strand's a legend. He's an amazing instructor. He's a really nice guy. You will learn a ton if you take this class, and you could take it for $0. So make it a priority to engage with this training next week. Use the link in the description below. Sign up. Take it for $0. Improve yourself and win, win, win. All I do is win, 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 no matter what, right? That's what you're going to be singing after you take this class. So go check it out. All right. Hey, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge is hot, hot, hot. Check it out, guys. If you want to blow up your professional network like a boss, listen up. Go over to LinkedIn. Take five minutes and go over to LinkedIn. Search for the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Find the posts, comment on the posts, and then connect with the posters and the people in the comments. Five minutes a day active. Everybody else that comes after you and connects with the people in comments will be connecting with you because you commented, right? Five minutes a day, two weeks time, come back and tell me I was wrong. You will have a rich, powerful, valuable professional network. It's gonna be awesome. Now, John Theodore has the baton. Every single day, one person gets the baton. John Theodore, tag somebody in chat, please. If you want to take the baton, if you want to be the person who posts today's Simply Cyber Community Challenge post, raise your hand, say you want it in chat, and let's go. Thank you so very much. All right, guys. Every single day of the week's one special day. Today is Grayson's Joke of the Week presented by James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet. I want to tell you guys... Does anyone know a good Groundhog Day joke? Does anyone know a good Groundhog Day joke? Uh, because James just keeps hearing the same one over and over and over again. Oh my gosh. Also, do you guys know what kind of milk? Do you know what kind of milk groundhogs drink? It's small. It's a little known fact that groundhogs drink milk, um, but they, they exclusively only drink whole milk. Whole milk. <laughs> Thanks so much, James McQuiggan. All right, let's get back to work and do the second half of the show. Google Bazel Command Injection Threat. One of Google's premier open source products, Bazel, B-A-Z-E-L, which is used for the automation of building and testing software, has been found to have a supply chain vulnerability, specifically, quote, a command injection vulnerability in a dependent GitHub Actions workflow, potentially allowing malicious actors to insert harmful code into Bazel's code base, end quote. Researchers at Cycode, C-Y-C-O-D-E, warn that this could, quote, affect millions of projects and users on various platforms, including Kubernetes, Angular, Uber, LinkedIn, Databricks, Dropbox, NVIDIA, and Google itself, end quote. 
Psycode alerted Google on November the 1st and fixes were deployed by December 5th. All right. So way to go. Canadian. This is one of those ones I, I tell you all the time, guys. This is this is a uh, a, a company called Psycode Security Researchers uh, releasing um, findings and, you know, really, really good pub for them and for the, you know, the researchers uh, at the company. Like this is a phenomenal way to like demonstrate your expertise and your capabilities. Um, now, Bazel, um, I, I, I've never heard of Google Bazel before. Uh, I'm actually going to use a cheat code right here where I use ChatGPT to synopsis, to summarize this story for me because I'm, I'm actually quite confused. It looks like in GitHub, you know, there's like standard, like uh, there's standard things like, um, you know, commits, pull requests, uh, merges, forks, all these things. But apparently it, if you want to take it to like the next level, if you want to go super Saiyan with your GitHub repos, you can use GitHub actions workflow to build custom, um, custom, you know, automation. Right. And somehow malicious actors could insert harmful code into the Bazel code base. Here's the thing. I'm having a tough time commenting on this story because I don't understand. Is the bug with Bazel or is the bug with GitHub automation workflows? And they're just demonstrating that Bazel could be in scope of executing a compromise uh, because it has um, automation, uh, custom automation, excuse me. A key concern is the ability to inject and execute arbitrary commands due to lack of proper input validation. Okay, so... Oh, this has already been corrected. What, what, what kind of story is this? Like, okay, so all right, so check it out. Uh, Google's vulnerability reward program, like basically, um, got this on November first, two thousand twenty-three. They fixed the problem December fifth, two thousand twenty-three. So this is very much a postmortem retrospective. There's nothing for you to do here. You can continue to use Basil if you're using it. Um, I will say, last night we had Tyler Ramsby on Simply Cyber Live, my uh, weekly long-form guest interview show. Uh, go check it out if you want to learn about CVEs. Plus, Tyler is just a wonderful human being, so it was like a really nice conversation. But he actually pointed out that sometimes, uh, oftentimes when you find a CVE and you disclose it to the uh, organization, they'll pay you. But when they pay you, they will not allow you to publish that a blog post or notify that you've, you know, um, like how you did it or what you did. So it's nice to see in this instance that these security researchers both get, you know, get paid Great cash, homie. and also get the uh, recognition, frankly, uh, that they rightly deserve for discovering this and doing it in the responsible way. Um, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Also, uh, Google has so many freaking products. It's out of control. Has anyone ever heard of Google Basil? I, I would call this Basil. Government branch suffers data breach. Sure, why not? Global Affairs Canada, which includes Canadian trade and foreign ministries, said in a statement dated January 30th that it, quote, activated an unplanned IT outage on January 24th to address the discovery of malicious cyber activity, end quote. The notice stated that the compromised system was the virtual private network that staff used to access the department's Ottawa headquarters. The statement continued, quote, early results indicate that there has been a data breach and that there has been unauthorized access to personal information of users, including employees, end quote. Founder of... All right. So I guess 
<laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm, it's, it's, it's almost inappropriate that I'm making light of this, but like, where is it? Um, so this story happened in the first half of the show, data theft, sensitive information, us people holding clearances and stuff. Canada's like, hold my beer. And <laughs> they get hit with a data breach. Very, very similar. Um, you know, I guess if, if I had, if I had to, I mean, Alfie's the one who did the, uh, the Pentagon one, it doesn't necessarily say who got hit here with this one, but I mean, these are, uh, it is, it is seem very coincidence that two countries that are, you know, NATO powers, um, have like very sensitive information about, uh, people who operate within the government with, and, you know, uh, deal with national security and have access to sensitive information, um, are getting compromised kind of around the same time frame. Um, like any standard business or government, you know, they, they're, they're contacting you if you were infected or impacted, excuse me. I'm sure that they're going to let you know that um, the country of Canada takes your privacy and security quite seriously. And here's some identity theft. It's like such a token playbook playbook thing. Um, uh, the internal systems that were compromised were exposed for over a month. Ew. Ew. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not a real hacker. I just play one on TV here. Um, this story's like so thin. This story basically just says like, the Canadian government came out and said, some people were impacted. They'll be notified. We were exposed for a month. Nothing else to see here. Thank you. And then like they did the men in black thingy where like they blink you out and you forget what just happened. So there's nothing for you to do here. If you live in Canada or you're a Canadian citizen, you, you may have been impacted. You'll be notified. Like again, this this story, like this story in the last story, frankly, if I if I may just um step step to the side and give an editorial for a second. These stories, like if you look at them straight on, they look like a story. But if you look at them even even an inch from the side, they're like paper thin. There's like not a lot going on in these stories. Uh just just for the for those who want to know, I'm like, I'm like irritated that there isn't more meat on this bone. This, this is like, uh, this This bone's been picked clean, man. Ripple cryptocurrency claims multi-million dollar theft. This theft was discovered by blockchain security expert Zach XBT, who saw 213 million XRP Ripple coins being shifted through Binance, Kraken, and other platforms. Ripple co-founder and executive chair Chris Larson has denied that Ripple itself had been hacked, pointing instead to unauthorized access to some of his personal accounts and that no Ripple wallets had been compromised. Dang. HTT so this, I mean, damn. <laughs> uh, first of all, this sucks for this guy. What's his name? Chris Larson. Bro, that sucks. Uh, Chris Larson just had $112 million, uh, stolen from him. Uh, I have to go to the bank after this to talk about fraud and I'm pissed. I'm not $112 million pissed though. Like I got to imagine this guy's like, Oh, especially cause he knows enough about crypto and all that. To, cause he said he saw the transactions going through like Binance and uh, Kraken. So like he, he watched, he was watching it get drained. Um, obviously his platform, he says his platform wasn't compromised. I mean, that would just add insult to injury. Honestly, if, um, 
if he got robbed personally and then his like business basically got undermined and, and the integrity of it got compromised. So of course, uh, you know, he would, I mean, with all due respect, it's probably true, but if it was my business, I would absolutely lean into uh, unauthorized access of my own account. Um, honestly, I don't know how, if it really was unauthorized access, I really don't know how um, this particular individual, oops, I don't know how you don't have MFA on your freaking crypto wallet. Like, how do you, let, let me see. This is an isolated incident. Ripple wallets are secure and never compromised. Um, they're working with law enforcement, whatever. Um, right, see how they're doubling down? No Ripple managed wallets were compromised. That This is, this is damage control for the Ripple business. Again, I'm not a huge crypto fan. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. You know, uh, Chainalysis, which is a wicked cool company, uh, noted last week that $1.7 billion was siphoned out of crypto platforms. Lazarus Group is very, very good at crypto uh, crime. If you didn't know, North Korea's Lazarus Group, uh, they've stolen over a billion dollars. Um, I do want to see, where, where was the problem? Yesterday was unauthorized access to a few of my personal Ripple accounts. Here's my thing. If they're saying, here's my thing. Okay. If there's just, this isn't rocket science guys. Like if they're saying the platform is fine, then the platform is fine. So then someone got unauthorized access to his account. If the platform's fine, that means that they got his username and password. And he either didn't have multi-factor authentication on, which would be unbelievably insane when you have $112 million right? I guess, you know, money is a relative thing. So, you know, maybe, maybe he's so filthy rich that 112 million is like not worth securing to a level that, you know, I think it warrants or, or he fell for a fish, gave up his stuff, fell for another type of social engineering attack, gave up his multi-factor. He installed malware and got some type of adversarial in the middle attack, whatever it was. I, it's just, Bananas. It's bananas. Now, I, I do want to, in full disclosure, point out that anyone can fall for these things. Like I clicked on a fish two nights ago, right? I, I didn't do anything with it. Like I I opened the email, I opened the PDF attachment, and then was like, what am I doing? Like, obviously, this attachment's ridiculous. There's a QR code. <laughs> it was a QR code and like um a screenshot of the Simply Cyber logo, and it was talking about uh payroll and like. All right. So, so it can happen. I'm not throwing shade at anyone for falling, but the reason we have multiple controls, defense in depth, multi-factor is to prevent unauthorized access. And I just, God dang, man, when you have a hundred million dollars under an account, I just, I just feel like you need proper control. So we'll see. Sucks for this dude, obviously. Um, but you know, it is what it is. EP request smuggling and HTTP2 downgrading. They are both a thing. Love Andren, junior application security auditor at Swedish cybersecurity firm Outpost24, has posted a blog on two threats, HTTP request smuggling and HTTP2 downgrading. The former being, quote, a security vulnerability that arises from a disparity between the front-end and back-end systems in how they handle the size of a message's body, which malicious actors can exploit to smuggle their own requests into the back-end. 
The other, HTTP2 downgrading, is similar in which the different behaviors of HTTP2 and HTTP1 open up smuggling opportunities. A link to Andren's report is available in the show notes to this episode. All right, so a couple things here. One, um, this concept of downgrading, they're showing it here with these hot infographics. That Hansel's so hot right now. But um, basically, so HTTP2 to HTTP1 downgrading, uh, I'm not exactly sure how you prevent this. I'm sure there's uh, explanation in the story here on how to do it. But what you need to know is whether it's... Um, whether it's this HTTP or it is uh, uh, the agreed upon encryption algorithm that you're going to use, the, the idea, the concept of downgrading, this is going to be one of those more you know uh, situations. So gather around the campfire, uh, everyone. Here's the deal. Downgrading is a set, like when you make a connection, right? Or when you do any like interface with any kind of technology or something, especially like in a client server um, architecture, you have to agree to the standards that you're going to be using, right? Like, hey, I'm going to be like, you, you're going to um, make a connection to a website that's running HTTPS, right? Or you're going to connect to Secure Shell or whatever. When you do the initial three-way handshake, fine. You, you've got a, a connection-oriented TCP connection. You're good to go. The next thing you're going to do is set up um, the, the, the encryption part of it, right? Uh, the the four-way handshake. Well, when you do that, you need to agree like the client, maybe the client's an older Windows XP box and it doesn't have the newest, coolest, hottest encryption algorithms. Or you you have some like legacy application that you're using that doesn't support um, whatever. Or you have a real-time operating system that's like bare bones and, and they, they can't support, you know, AES or whatever. Whatever it is, um, the server needs to agree with the client on what you're going to be doing. So normally we just take it for granted that you're going to use the best or the optimal or the newest or the hottest or whatever. Well, if it, the if one of them cannot support that, they need to basically figure out what they like the highest level of security that they both can support and then agree to that. So the attack of downgrading is essentially forcing that agreement to to not be the coolest, hottest, most secure one and actually downgrade to a less secure thing. So in this particular instance, HTTP2, you could see here, you like they're, they're showing in the graphic, right? You can do... Uh, a post uh, method to uh, the server and push content type and stuff. Well, in HTTP one, you're able to actually collapse that, not take advantage of the um, some some of the standards that are in HTTP two and push it down. And with HTTP one, apparently you're able to execute something on the back end, right? So the front end would be the application server. The back end might be middleware. It might be a database server. Whatever it is. So they're saying. Because of this, you can do that. Uh, so essentially what you want to do at this point is your web servers need to be able to either A, not downgrade to HTTP 1 or add extra scrutiny if something is getting downgraded to HTTP 1 on what it is and doing some checks. It is really, really interesting. Um, they say request smuggling. Uh, smuggling meaning you're hiding data inside of... Um, uh, packets basically that you're not inspecting or looking at or thinking 
that um, has information. Another like common great example um, is using DNS, uh, domain naming service. Uh, you can use DNS to exfil data or to run C2 um, command and control uh, infrastructure. Um, but but that's another kind of smuggling, right? DNS isn't supposed to be um, smuggling and data exfilling, but because the protocol has these uh, spaces basically to chunk in data and, and hide data in, you can smuggle it out through these packets. And that's that's what's happening here. So if you're running any type of web server um, and you're responsible for the actual administration of the server, you may want to investigate this. Also, if you're a pen tester, bug bounty person, uh, software exploitation person, you may want to investigate this because this uh, looks interesting and certainly could uh, help you in your um, in your you know exploits, if you will. I'm going to copy and drop a link to the actual follow up that that is the exploit walkthrough, the whole walkthrough. So great for a student to learn, great for a practitioner to leverage. See. Whether you're looking to break in or you uh, already work in the industry, we got mad value for you. Remember, we have our week in review show starting at 3.30. Nope. Pass. Nope. All right, y'all. 8.52. We got a couple minutes here, which is awesome. So I will be able to do jaw jacking. Um, these two stories on Google Basil and the Canadian foreign government. So thin that uh, time flew. Guys, really quick. Before you go, if you're here just for the news, before you go, my guest next week on Simply Cyber Live, the Thursday long-form guest interview, is none other than Darknet Diaries creator, Jack Recider. If you love Darknet Diaries, which basically there's two people in this world, people who love Darknet Diaries and people who haven't found out about Darknet Diaries. That's it. There's, not, there's no other dimension to this. Jack Recider is super cool. Super awesome, and I can't wait to bring him on and introduce him to the community. It's going to be awesome. Kayla Sturgeon with the Super Chat. Good luck at the bank today, Jerry. Thank you for all the knowledge drops. My wife's a big fan of the Simply Cyber Breakfast Club, too. We just become best friends. Yep. Thank you so much for the Super Chat. And I, I love I love the Simply Cyber Breakfast Club. It's good times. Come on out for Jack Recider next week. It's going to be dope. All right, guys. I'm Jerry. Your chat. This is Friday. Yeah, yeah. You may want to prioritize. You may want to just like take Friday, uh, take Thursday off. If you guys have any questions in chat and you want to uh, jump in there. Oh, hey, are you? Um, hold on one second. Uh, there's a there's a couple like a lot of things are happening all at the same time right now. Uh, can you share a link for the blog? Hold on one second. Okay, check this out. Um, so I'm, I'm getting this right now. Uh, Ms. Uh, Ms. Julian wrote a review. Awesome. There's a book review and giveaway with Cybersecurity Central. Um, uh, let's look at that really quickly. And yes, Eric, I do. Um, one second. So here on stream, we've got it. We've got it. And I got a, I got a surprise for everybody. We are going to be doing extended jaw jacking Friday. If you were here last Friday, you know how awesome Eric Taylor was uh, going the distance. Uh, well, he's back and we're going to be bringing him on in a hot minute. So, um, but really quickly, I want to share this link with everybody in chat and point out.
First of all, Cybersecurity Central is awesome. Secondly, Ms. Julian right here is awesome. She's in chat, I suspect. And the book this week is How to Catch a Fish by Nick Oles. And there is a, um, you can win a copy of the book signed by the author himself. So go check this out. All the instructions on how to win are here. And also, uh, obviously, the Cybersecurity Central is all about good times. Now, I want to do a special thing really quickly to introduce this man. Guys, this is what's up right now. Reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. Yes. The green light flashes. The flags yes. go up. Churning and burning. They yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver. Here we go. Eric Taylor is going the distance. What's up, Eric Taylor? Really Eric Taylor, you're on stream, buddy. Oh, I see what you're trying to do. All right, one second. We'll pull you off stream. Guys, all right. We got we got a great show for you. I have to peace out, but it looks like my man and your friend Eric Taylor is coming on stream to answer questions in AMA at like a boss. So let's do it. So, yes, Cake is good. I feel like Cake is one of those underrated, uh, overlooked bands. Uh, not just, um, not just, uh, because of cake. I mean, excuse me, not just because of the distance, but also like, I feel like they have a lot of good music and they get overshadowed, uh, by, um, by the success of, um, excuse me, by the success of the distance. Let me see what else we got in here. Let's just blow out the copyright. Um, here, let, uh, hold on. There's a couple here that I, I, I really like. Yes, yes, look at us. I want a girl with a mind like a diamond. So what's up, everybody? How's everyone doing? I, I got to tell you, uh, personally, I was really in a bad spot yesterday. I know uh, I didn't present that way. Uh, but yeah, yesterday was a really tough day for me. Uh, not for any particular reason, but it was just a tough day. And uh, everything was kind of like coming up really sucky. <laughs> but first world problems, obviously. Um, but uh, today's a good day. I'm feeling great. Uh, so the book here, let's pull this book up again really quickly. Let's do this. Um, here, let's do this. So this this is the book. Um it's called How to Catch a Fish by Nick Oles. Here's the book review. How to Catch a Fish. And there's Ms. Julian with her review. Blog post, excellent. So if you're interested, I, I won't link directly to the book. What I'll link to is this uh, post. There we go. I did go to the Citadel, yes. So yesterday, I did the morning briefing. I did teach at the Citadel. I did do the Thursday um, live stream. I did work. Like, I just, it was a tough day, though. Like, like, I mean, I don't know if anyone actually cares to hear my problems, but, like, like just, like, for example, like, it started off, like, I woke up, right, and I, like, get up. I made, like, we bought a bunch of avocados at Costco, so I've been eating avocados for, like, a week. Because, you know, like when you go to Costco, 
you don't buy three avocados. You buy like 25 avocados. So I've been, they've been going and I'm the kind of guy, uh, like, I feel like this is like hashtag dad life. Like I, I, I don't really want to eat more avocado, but like they're going to go bad and, and we bought them. So like I've been eating avocados all the time. Yesterday, I like make avocado toast, take a bite, immediately drop it on my, my pants, which I'm going to wear to work at the Citadel. I'm like, oh, God. And then just not feeling good. Fortunately, we didn't have audio issues. Then I got this fraud charge thing on my account that I got to got to go talk to the bank about. Um, Cyber 101 has been it, it's it's off and running. It, uh, it's I haven't publicly launched it yet, but it's off and running. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm like dying in subtitle land of, of having to crack all these things up. So anyways. That's what's up. All right, let me check on our friend Eric Taylor. How's it going? All right. You get in there and you eat your avocado. That's right. Guys, hey, guys, just for a win, though, I ate the last one this morning. Woo! If you guys are wondering, uh, this new uh, RECA shirt from Black Hills Information Security is uh, super dope. It gives me, like, lifeguard vibes. All right, let's check out our man, Eric Taylor. Eric Taylor's in the house. How you doing, Eric? What's going on? Can y'all hear me? Yeah. We can hear you. Welcome to the party, pal. Eric, uh, great show today. Uh, chat is very interested in you uh, hooking them up. Uh, genuinely appreciate it. On behalf of all of chat and myself, uh, thanks for making time and hooking us up. I know I know people loved last Friday's show. Um so hopefully we can keep that party going. I'm, I'm going to peace out of here. I've got to go to the bank. Uh, and just let me share this with you really quickly, uh, Eric. I, I um, saw some potential fraud. Um, I call I call the bank on my phone, and there's like a speed button, right? Like, hey, if this is fraud, click here. So I click here, and they're like, all right. And I'm thinking I'm going to get like in the speed lane for you know, talking to someone about a fraud charge. And instead I listened for 30 minutes of hold music, which, which was irritatingly peppy jazz. Do you know what I don't want to hear while I'm worried about 10 grand in fraud? Peppy jazz, right? So they're anyway. trying to make you feel better as you get, your, um, you get all your funds taken off. So <laughs> That's I'm, right. I'm being robbed, but I'm being, t I'm treated like, like royalty. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, guys, I'm going to peace out. Eric Taylor, take the helm. Thank you so very much. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be well. And until next time, stay secure. I'm here. We have an echo. Bear with me one second. Let me stay quiet while we go through this. I do not hear an echo. But if you need, I will continue to talk to chat um, and answer some questions. Let's do this. Eric Taylor, dropping knowledge. Dropping cyber knowledge. And then I'll say AMA. Boom. Look at Flex that barricade cyber rep. I love it. All right. Hey, is your is your echo sorted out? Because I, I don't so. hear the echo. Okay, cool. I think we're good. All right. Hey, everybody. Be well. And until next time, stay secure. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? So happy to be here. Um, almost didn't think I was actually going to make it. If you can tell in, in the hospital room. Um, those who are following the story, Hunter just went back to have another procedure, literally a couple minutes strong. Thank you, uh, Jay, hashtag Hunter Strong. We definitely appreciate it. Um, so, 
get ready for the questions. Start dropping them into chat for me. Um, mods, I I am mobile. I don't have Discord with me. It's only on my uh, workstation. So uh, at the office. So I don't have Discord. So um, forgive me to, um, you know, not being able to stay up the uh, on that. Um, we did drop a hunter update on LinkedIn. If you're part of the YouTube or not the YouTube, but uh, the Facebook group, definitely got that there. Um, so um, we hope to have some some more uh, information um, about that. So you may hear some some noise going on in the background. Some nurses are coming in with some stuff. So do Q question mark and we will try to answer those. Love the Hunter Strong support. Thank you so much. Yep, drop your cues in Q colon question mark. Q colon question mark. Yeah, there was a while we're doing this, I kind of feel I forget the the artist name or whatever. Um, the, the dude, the old, the old white dude that ended up shooting somebody, you know, on set and ended up killing someone. He had those who don't know, he tried to do a podcast, uh, a couple times. And during this, you know, they had like, um, you know, a dial in number and he would like every 20 or 30 seconds, we got anybody on the line waiting for him. No, we don't have anybody. Oh, goodness, we don't have anybody on the line. All <laughs> right. So uh, I feel like I, I'm kind of in that situation. All right, cool. Got some questions coming in. Thank you so much. Like I said, I'm up here feeling like I'm, you know, talking to the wind here. Uh, actually, let me close on private chat. So, okay. So, Cobros roasting, there aren't any other ways to verify to make it invalid. Um, no, I don't think so. I'm not, I am honestly not the most efficient person on Cobras. Um, yeah, I know how to set some up. I know how to make them work, things of that nature. Um, so, um, I'm honestly not the best person to ask that one. But I do, from my limited pen testing skills, like I showed you know last week with TeamViewer and stuff like that, you know, I, I do have some experience. But my experience is one of those that I am, I know enough to be dangerous. It's about what it goes to. So you know, I can forensically do the Cobra uh, uh, Kubernetes, and you know, I can help set some up, and I can help do a little bit of securing. But I, I'm not the most efficient person. Just, Docker is the same way. You know, I know how to do a little bit of forensics on it. I know it's a, a an instantaneous container, um, things of that nature, but I'm not the most efficient, right? So, um, like, why are you going to run a Docker image for production? That's the one thing I don't understand. You know, you know here's where, you know, things that you can take away. It doesn't matter how many years you've been in the industry. There's always these little nuances that just make you go, what the fudge? Um, right. So like the one thing I've always wondered is my understanding of Docker is supposed to be a versioning system, right? So 
you know, <clears throat> if you, it's supposed to be a quick way, we'll take it like SQL or Exchange or some of the old legacy stuff. New, you want to upgrade it and do a quick snapshot test of it to see how well it works. And that's my understanding of Docker. So you know, you can quickly do versioning, see if something's broke, revert changes really, really quick, like lightning fast. Um, that may just be a feature of Docker and not as primary focus of Docker. But I'm like, why are you going to spin up a Docker when you still have an entire OS available to you? It's like running it in as a VM inside of there. I mean, I guess, you know, for, again, for production purposes, lab, totally get it. But why are you going to run Docker as production? Again, maybe my own lack of knowledge. But anyway, off of that soapbox. Um, if I'm looking for GRC certification, what do I go for? I'm pretty sure Dr. Gerald Osher has talked about that in GRC. Um, I feel bad. I know a lot of folks like to ask me GRC questions. And I feel bad I had to tell you, I am not a GRC dude. I'm just not. Um, I know of his existence. I know they do a lot of frameworks and they like to do a lot of documents. You know, there's, I want to get a little borderline vulgar. So excuse me for this. There's people who talk about doing things. Like, hey, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'll be able to keep a PG-13. Perfect. I just figure out what. So, yeah, there's people who talk about going to do things, and there's the people who actually just go go, go do it. I'm one of those. I, like, there's something to go do. I'm going to go do it. Doing well. Do, doing. These are interesting times, so we're just going through the flow, right? So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, happy to be here. Greatly appreciate it. Oh, yeah, Alex Baldwin. That's his name. The one I was talking about a minute ago, Alex Baldwin. Yeah. So those who don't know, he, he had that podcast and it was a total effing train wreck. Nobody cared. I think it only lasted like two or three episodes. It was literally dumpster fire going down the river train wreck you can't stop watching i have my network plus uh next week do you have any tips yes do you have a home lab set up do you have a home lab you know do you have you been messing with your cisco gear have you been messing with your fortigate gear do you have the concepts now it's been geez it's probably been at least 10 years since i did a plus, network plus, sec plus, things of that nature. Um, so I know the tests have changed a lot. Um, but like I said, in, in the in the room, even though Hunter's not in here, he is an OR. Some of his equipment is still beating, um, looking for him. So um, from what I've understood, the I may need to step away and shut down this respirator. But um, from my understanding. The, like the A plus and stuff like that, and has more of a lab this uh, these times going around. So you may want to be able to, or may have not only the technical but the application as well. So um, there's some there used to be, and I'm sure there still is, but CBT uh, CBT nuggets, I think it is. Um, you know they used to have some free 
um, study guides and stuff like that. Just Google, you know, network plus study guides and stuff like that. You know, I would personally, I am, um, I would take from multiple sources, their test labs or their test sample test uh, questionnaires and go through them, right? If you're knocking like 90% on multiple different sources, then you probably got it in the bag. Um, give me one second. Let me go shut this thing up. There we go. All right. Scrolling down. Yeah, Alex Baldwin did the, the dangerous thing on Rust. I couldn't remember what the heck it was called. Are there any tactics? Yeah, so... All right. This is something I can talk about publicly. The thing that I... I have seen lately and I have no factual information on this, just my own pure speculation as barricade cyber. And this is not a sales pitch by any means. You know, no, not a sales pitch. I'm just saying as barricade cyber is advancing its products and services and stuff like that in the simply cyber community, you know, we're toying with the idea of doing dark web monitoring. I thought I shut that up. <laughs> um, but so we're seeing through this that a lot more people are selling access. So a while back, y'all all been around for a while. Y'all know about TrickBot. I'm about to shoot, drop kick this machine. This is what I'm about to do. Um, y'all know about TrickBot that they would get that early entry access, um, maintain it, and then sell it off. So TrickBot was a broker of sorts. And a lot of these sites, I'm going to continue talking while I come over here and shut this thing up. Um, a lot of these sites are actually um, actually going through and selling off access. Like, hey, I've compromised, you know, ABC Liquor Store. I've compromised Joe's Pizza Shop. I've done whatever. And I'm selling access for, you know, $1,000, $2,000, whatever. And the threat actors, now they can pay a little, uh, probably a little bit cheaper to actually get that than they do their data exfiltration, than they do the ransomware payload. So the front end is being done. Now, there a lot of reports are saying there's a shorter time of ransomware. And I think the numbers are skewed. I really, really do. Um, I think initial access to your environment is going back to the old TrickBot days. The initial attack vector has compromised your network weeks, maybe even months beforehand. Then it gets the, that access gets sold. Now the threat actor is in. So I think the threat actor activity is absolutely 100% smaller. But that's because the initial threat actor is already inside of your environment. Again, pure tinfoil hat. Only what I am seeing from my perspective inside of the, uh, the space, no, no actual facts except for my own background and what I, what my gut is telling me that this is what's going on. So this is what I'm seeing. Not very documented very well, but I've talked to a number of fellow SAN students and I actually got to go talk to some folks from my FOR 508 class. I've been overdue to talk to them goofballs. Um, 
uh, V, uh, Justin, all you guys. Look for me and signal with you if you're watching. But, um, yeah, I definitely need to talk to them and see if they're seeing some of the same stuff as well. I, I suspect it's a lot more of us are thinking this, but want to get my – that's what I'm thinking. More to come. How did the Volt Typhoon affect the power grids? Is that the EV? Uh, don't get me started. If that's the EV, don't get me started on EV. I, I will lose friends. That, that gets into a whole political topic that we may go. If you're going to Wild Wild Hacking Fest and you want to know my true feelings on EV, talk to me there. I won't do it on Gerald's channel or one of my other, you know, my streams, not on Dr. Gerald Oser's stream. Because I will go full nuclear. Uh, currently studying for Security Plus. Yeah, just like I was saying about the Network Plus. Go go on Google. Uh, try to find random study guides. Um, and if you're if you're knocking from multiple sources, high nineties, you know I think you got it in the bag, dude. Um, so you know. Always even when you so when you're doing like sock analysis, you're doing threat hunting, you know, you don't just use one source for your thread feeds. You're pulling from multiple sources, right? Do the same thing for your certification. Um, even if you have to pay five bucks, right? I mean, if it's got a lot of reviews or something like that, if you're probably have to buy it from like an Amazon digital page or something like that, maybe that's something you can do as well. Um you know, I mean, a $5 test prep thing, you know, can go a long way. You know, I mean, we're talking about your security career. So, um, I mean, I probably wouldn't spend 50 bucks for a test prep, you know, just for an electronic download or something like that, that you're using as a study guide. Right. So. All right. So just don't go shooting people, Alex, please. I guess as long as you stay away from Alec Baldwin, well, you should be okay. Sorry, dark humor. Eric, are we having fun yet, <laughs> Brian? I'm trying, man. Dude, I'm trying. I really, <laughs> I really am. Um, how do you stay? How do you suggest staying motivated to take the sec plus? Uh, unpopular opinion. If you're not waking up every day, urging or earning for it, you're probably not going to stay in the business long. I say it many, many times. Um, if there's anything else you can do, except for cybersecurity, go effing do it. If you don't wake up wanting this, wanting to hunt evil, wanting to stop people, like truly take money out of it. Yes, people can make a lot of money in cybersecurity. There's a lot of people who struggle financially in cybersecurity, right? It really depends, you know, on intelligence and, you know, your gumption. And there's a lot of factors, right? Company you work for. Um, but the money will not save you from the stress, um, mental anguish. I'm kind of stressed, but, you know, you will go gray. You have to want this. So, you know, if you're not, if you don't have that drive to get the test, do you have the drive to be the industry? That'd be the first question, because this may be a sign that you're going down the wrong path in your life. 
you know, I don't, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer by any means. I'm not trying to do that. So don't take it the wrong way. Like, oh, you're trying to keep people down. I'm trying to save you, actually. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to see people get burned out or have, you know, any sort of problems mentally, physically, emotionally, because they took a wrong career path. And I've seen this, right? There's a whole dark side of people. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad saying this, ladies and gentlemen, but if you Google top industries to whatever yourself, I don't know the political way of saying that, unhealth care yourself, I don't know the proper way, you know, a lot of it is the compassion industries. You know, the veterinarians, the doctors, the nurses. It's been a couple of years since I've done this, but I'm fair to say that cybersecurity, InfoSec, something in there will still be in the top 10 that actually take that unfortunate road. And that's why I say it. I don't want something bad to happen to you, Billy. So if you're not, if you don't have the drive, please take it as an honest answer saying maybe it's not a good career for you spend you know if you got faith spend some time right i, I talk about my faith all the time you know um i don't care i don't apologize for it um if you are a man or a person of faith you know ask god to lead you show you a sign is this for you or is it for something else? Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love cybersecurity. I know a lot of people who do. It's just not for everybody. Joel, good to see you, bud. I, I know you're going through some of your own struggles too, man. Um, my thoughts have been with you. Uh, so no way to double verify MFA, the request in Kerberos 10.4. I'm going to try to create a process to lower the chatter in our sim. Okay. Um, Ian Michael, if you are looking, if you're getting a flood of MFA requests, that's a problem. That means you have some users' creds compromised because you've got the username, you got the password, and now you're getting the MFA request. Thankfully, they're not getting in because of the MFA request. But MFA fatigue is a real thing on your end users. So if you haven't started cycling passwords and killing active sessions, please do, sir. Scrolling down here. Yep, so there was the uh, the mention of the GRC cyber class, the master cyber class, that you, our one and only Dr. Gerald Ozier does. Gigi, what's up? What's up? Hunter Strong, that's right. I'm about halfway, so bear with me. I'm going through. Uh, appreciate your time, Cloud Plus or AWS Cloud Practitioner. Depends on if you want to be specialized or not. 
know, Cloud Plus is definitely an overall. AWS is a very narrow. You know, I mean, are you wanting to go work at AWS at, at Amazon? Um, are you wanting to do consulting just in the AWS ecosystem? You don't want to mess with, um, you don't want to mess with GCP, Google 